This is episode 21 with Haley Schweizer. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer turned personal trainer and coach. Each week, it is my goal to bring you a unique story of an elite athlete's mindset to help you unlock and discover your life's potential. Today, I had a chance to sit down with professional lacrosse player for the Philadelphia Fire, Haley Schweizer. Haley was a former standout at Johns Hopkins University, where she was a third-team All-American, first-team All-Big Ten, and holds the Hopkins school records for games played at 75. Beyond the field, Haley was a Big Ten distinguished scholar. Haley currently juggles a professional lacrosse career with Physicians Assistant School and coaching her former high school team. If it sounds like she's Superwoman, it's because she is. I really appreciate her taking time out of her busy schedule to share with me what has allowed her to be who she is. There's a ton of valuable lessons from our conversation, so without further ado, here we go. So diving in here, when did you start playing lacrosse? Um, I started playing lacrosse when I was in the fourth grade, so I was about nine years old. Okay. And was there a certain moment, I guess, in that youth playing career that really stood out to you? Uh, you realized playing Division One was going to be a pretty good chance or a good reality? Yeah, I mean, uh, I started playing pretty young, and up until eighth grade, it was just kind of another sport for me. I played basketball, field hockey, I ran, um, and it was just another season, another sport. But it wasn't until high school that I really started getting really interested in lacrosse and kind of choosing that as the sport I wanted to focus on and play in college. Um, but I feel like there was a defining moment, and it was my freshman going into my sophomore year. Um, in the summer, I went to a camp at the University of Maryland called Maximum Exposure. And my mom warned me when I went. She was like, there's going to be really good girls here. They're going to all be from Maryland and Long Island. And just try to get as much as you can out of this camp. I like, really didn't want to go. It was my birthday, um, and it was a stayover camp. Um, and everyone was very good, a lot faster than me, better stick skills, better shot. Um, and I felt a little defeated after my first night of the camp. I remember my sister came to visit me, um, to kind of give me a boost. And at the end of that camp, I ended up making the all-star team for the camp, which, um, all of the college coaches from that camp selected. So at that camp, it's a recruiting camp and there were college coaches from all D1, some D2, some D3. And they chose who was on the all-star team to play in the all-star game. And I remember making it and just being so shocked. I couldn't believe it. Um, and I think that did a big boost for my confidence because I left that camp realizing that playing Division One and not just in college was a big reality for me. That's awesome. I actually am familiar with that camp because I, I coach summer swimming outside of this. Oh, very nice. And coaching in the Bethesda like Maryland area, it's a huge lacrosse hotbed, and I lose kids every year. To like, <laughs> they're like, oh, can't go into this lacrosse camp. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> so I, I totally understand it. I get it. Um, what was that college recruiting process like for you? Because I know with lacrosse, it starts really, really early in high school, like mm-hmm. sophomore year, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. How did you end up deciding on Hopkins ultimately? So my college recruiting process uh, to this day looked a lot different than a lot of other people's. Being from Delaware, lacrosse wasn't a big thing. I, we practically had to beg some people to come out for our high school team. We didn't have any club teams. Um, there wasn't rec league growing up like a lot of the Maryland's uh, programs do. All my friends in college were playing since they were like three years old. Um, 
So I actually, in the summer, I played for three club teams at a time. Um, my poor mother would drive me Tuesdays, Thursdays, an hour and a half to play for Ultimate Goal Lacrosse in Pennsylvania. Mondays, Wednesdays, I would play for Ultimate Lacrosse in New Jersey. Um, my sister is a grade older than me, um, and I would also play up on her team. And then there was a high school team in Pennsylvania, Wissahickon, that had a club team, and they let me play for them. So I was playing on all these teams and all these different tournaments just to really grow and be able to be seen. Um, and then on top of that, I would do about three summer camps a summer. Um, I would choose different colleges, Duke, Hopkins, Maryland. Um, I would do one in the winter. And then all fall, I would do clinics. Um, so a lot of schools will offer an hour six-skill clinic on Sundays for a month or something like that. Um, so I definitely had to go the extra yard um, to put myself out there and to be able to be seen uh, because it's not like in Maryland or Long Island or PA where college coaches come to your high school games. Um, I was lucky if I could get my friends to come watch my high school games. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Ending up deciding on Hopkins, um, I ended up coming down to Notre Dame, Penn State, and Hopkins. And uh, initially, I didn't want to go to Hopkins at all. My older sister, so I'm one of five, we all played Division One in college for lacrosse. And my oldest sister played at Hopkins. She's four years older than me. And I had followed her my entire life. Everyone said, you're so similar to Courtney. We would play all the same positions and all the same sports. And I was at that high school point in my life where I was like, absolutely not. I'm not going to where she goes. Um, I really didn't want to go. I wouldn't even visit Hopkins. And my mom and dad were like, you're going to go. The coaches really like you. You have to go. If you don't like it, then we won't push it down your throat anymore. But you have to try it out uh, before you decide on one of the other two schools because I was ready to make my decision. So I went, and I made sure my sister was off campus that weekend, and I fell in love. Um, I feel like in Maryland, across his life, um, at Hopkins, it's the only Division One sport. There was just such a big attraction to it, and it was this lacrosse is life mentality, which was the mentality I had. I mean, this sport I devoted so much time towards, and for it to be really appreciated in a city, in a state, um, meant the world to me. And then on top of it, I was always very academic-focused, and I really couldn't beat opportunity to go to such a highly rated academic school mm -hmm. um and then the coaching staff janine tucker has done so much for the game of lacrosse she is one of the most positive mentors figures coaches in the game to this day and i think anyone who has met her and talked to her and had even a small conversation with her would say that she just exudes radiant positivity you can't help but smile when you're around her um so i knew as far as going away from my family uh, that would really be my home away from home. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's what everyone should strive to look for um, in their college choice. Did it help having your sister there ahead of you just right away, like with the adjustment period? I feel like yes and no. I feel like <laughs> as an older sister, um, and then I had another older sister who's in between Courtney and I, Taryn, who uh, ended up playing at Monmouth. I feel like as the older sister who has a very similar personality to me, mm -hmm. um, just being able to discuss the transition period was very helpful. But in college, we played different positions, um, ended up having Steele Stanwick came in as one of the offensive coaches. So she never played under him. Um, so I feel like we never really talked about the lacrosse side of things, more just the life transition as any older sister in the similar situation, I feel like would have helped me through. Mm -hmm. um, 
and just kind of how to make those adjustments and balance life better. She definitely, I feel like I, that definitely helped me. Um, but the lacrosse side of it, I feel like that's just your, it has to be, and it was your own journey of adjusting because everyone is different. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Um, what was your playing experience at Hopkins like? Um, I entirely loved my time at Hopkins. Um, I truly feel, as I feel many people do with their college program, it transformed me into the player and person that I am today. Um, the environment is, like I said before, a home away from home. Um, but I had a lot to learn. I came in as a freshman, uh, little kid from Delaware. I knew going in that, you know, they were like, you're teachable, you're athletic, you have raw talent, but you need to be fine tuned. And they made that clear from the start. And I understood that, but I was willing to work. Um, and I always played midfield my whole life. And my freshman year I came in and they just said, look, we want you to play, but your stick skills, your shooting needs a lot of work. You're going to play your freshman year on defense. And then we'll kind of reevaluate at the end of the year. So I played my entire freshman year as a defender. I saw playing time I started. It was great. Um, but it was hard not having the stick skills that others did and feeling frustrated because I felt like I did everything that I could have to get myself to be there. It's just not something that I was introduced to or went over at every practice in high school growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had seniors on the team and coaches in the meantime who would do anything in their free time to help develop my offensive skills without even a single hesitation. Even though I wasn't going to start in the game on offense that week, I wasn't going to see the ball on the offensive end, but they would stay after practices to go over the plays with me, or they would stay after to correct my shooting. Um, and really developed me my freshman year. So then by the time it came my sophomore year, I did play midfield, and it was a really uncomfortable transition. Um, seeing the offensive end, kind of knowing what I wasn't doing. Um, but then end of sophomore year going into junior year was when I really feel like I hit my stride and had the most confidence that I could have had. Mm-hmm. Was that just a challenge to having to put in that extra work? Because I feel like, I mean, in college athletics in general, it's just so time-consuming already, as it is, just doing the bare mm-hmm. requirement. Was it pretty stressful, like, having to put in that extra mile, that extra work every day? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely was stressful, as many athletes um, experience if you aren't playing or aren't starting it's hard sometimes putting in that extra work when you know at the end of the day you're not going to be seeing that side of the field or um, even as a bench player giving your 110 percent in practice knowing that the lineup's already determined and you're not going to play uh, sometimes it can get frustrating you know I'd be exhausted like why am I doing 50 reps righty lefty shooting if I'm not going to shoot the ball once in the next couple months um so I feel like that part was hard, but at the same time, how excited everyone was to help me and help grow me in that side made it all the more worth it. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. And what was your kind of, I guess, driving motivation behind that? Was it just, hey, I want to improve personally or what? Um, I think it was, I, re- I really want to play midfield. I want to help out on all sides of the field. I want to do everything. I want to be able to shoot, assist. I want to be able to take the draw. I want to be able to play defense. And I love playing defense. Uh, I still do. I feel like I'm a very defensive-minded player. But, you know, and you do your job on defense, and I just held my girl, held my scout, and now I'm watching my team on offense. I was so excited for them, but I wanted to be a part of it. I just My eyes were so big watching them and watching these plays um, and wanting to be on that side of the field and knowing that I could. Um, 
and being told that I could if I just worked harder. It's kind of like dangling that carrot in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just something that I really wanted to do. I went into college across wanting to play midfield, and that was kind of what I was determined to do. Well, that's awesome that, that it, it happened for you um, yeah. after some work. But uh, now you've had the opportunity to play professionally post-grad. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about how that's not usually an opportunity for a lot of people. Kind of came in at the right time. What's that experience been like? Uh, it's been very surreal. Um, playing against some of the best players in the game, being able to be a part of something new and such a milestone for the sport itself. It's very, I'm very honored and also very humbled. You know, I'm playing against players that I idolized growing up. I remember we were playing in Gillette Stadium, which won, holy cow, I'm looking around like, what am I doing in here? Um, Tom Brady stepped foot on this field, why am I here? Um, And I'm taking the draw against Dana Dobby, who I watched film growing up, learned how to take the draw from her, and there I am taking the draw against her, like shaking in my boots. Uh, It was just one of those full circle moments. you know, in the game, which was really cool. And I feel like the league uh, does a good job fostering well-rounded female athletes, and they really emphasize the role um, of being a role model to these kids and being an ambassador of the game um, and not just doing this for money and to show off. It really is about being this well-rounded female Um and it is awesome. It's crazy seeing the little girls come to our game, and I'm seeing them do the face paint like Kylie Old Miller does and doing their hairstyles like other different pros. Uh, it does give you goosebumps. And we always stay an hour after each game to not just sign autographs, but to talk to these kids and teach them stick tricks and do things for them. Um, so I think it's done a great job growing the game, and I'm just super honored to have been a minor part of it. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome to have kind of a hand – in you know influencing that next generation because I think once you get to a certain level in sport no matter what your sport is I feel like that should become everyone's hopefully everyone's like next focus like you're not gonna like you said earlier you're not gonna play lacrosse forever but um, hopefully doing something now that's gonna be able to continue to foster that growth in the sport and hopefully become an inspiration to that next generation um, is there anything in particular that you do kind of in your pregame approach that's allowed you to get to this point in your career? Yeah, I feel like there's a few things. Um, one thing that was kind of introduced to me when I was in high school, but I didn't really make a thing until my college coach was to plan. I'm a big planner um, in life in general. I like to know what's going on. I like having plan A, B, C. Um, I just feel like planning helps you feel a little more prepared. Um, so I like to plan for every situation, whether good or bad. So for me, that looked like envisioning every situation, whether good or bad. So when I would do mindfulness on the bus and, um, closing my eyes and like evaluating every situation, I wouldn't just envision myself running down the field and scoring a goal. I would envision myself getting stripped and losing the ball, but then, okay, what do you do now? You go, you get it back. Um, I envision bad situations like, okay, you're down by this much. Your team is freaking out. What do you do? Um, I feel like envisioning the good situations and the bad situations and being able to kind of think them through ahead of time certainly helped me. Um, And other things I do are just 
having a routine. Um, I'm not superstitious. I don't have these crazy things I have to do before every game. But mm-hmm. I think routines allow for you in life and sports to have comfort. And I play my best when I'm not nervous or stressed. So being in a routine helps to decrease nerves. Waking up at this this many hours before the game, getting this for breakfast, knowing that I was going to have this for lunch, knowing that I needed this many hours to get to the locker room. I was going to then roll out, then do wall ball, then go back in. Just having that routine helped me feel more prepared. Um, and then similarly with the preparedness is just um, if you have doubts before a game on plays or things, was for me always asking sooner than later. Um, anything you could do to decrease the nerves before the game. So if I had a scout or there was a play I had a question on, I, some girls would ask the night before or the morning of the game, but um, asking those questions in advance so you're not frantically texting your coach the night before about a scout or a question um, to help out in any way that you can. Yeah, I think it's so important to, to go in prepared to minimize kind of any reaction decisions you have to make in the yeah. moment. If, you're, if you've rehearsed it, whether it's in your mind or going through tape or film or whatever, whatever you're you need to do for your sport if you've rehearsed it a number of times when inevitably something goes wrong in the game or something goes right mm-hmm. you've almost seen that situation before mm-hmm. I think yeah. you, you touched on it with your routine too I was the same way I, you know I guess to outsiders outside of sport it might seem superstitious with mm-hmm. like same meals same x amount of hours of mm-hmm. sleep and all that but I feel like to athletes it's it's just your routine. It's how you prime your body. And if you keep that the same each and every time, no matter what level of game you're playing in, I feel like you're letting your body know you're priming it ready for, for a peak performance no matter what. Um, yeah, certainly. And I think that is something in the real world that athletes do kind of always have that edge up on is that they're always prepared they always, uh, you know, they're ready to get after it. And even in real life, there's so much research out there on just having a routine. And in every self-help book, the first step <laughs> to achieving your goals and doing things is to start with a routine. Uh, I forget what book it is, but there's a book where even just waking up and making your bed is like mm-hmm. you did something that day. It's a good routine to get in to start your day. Um, so similarly, I think it is funny that you experienced it too, that everyone would always be, you're so superstitious, you have to get the same Dunkin' coffee at the same time before your game. And I'm like, I feel like it's not like I'll die if I don't have it. It's just, this is what I'm used to. I'm going to go about this day how I know to, and it's just a routine. Yeah, I feel like if you approach it as like, it's not the end of the world if I don't get it, Yeah. but it's better if I do have it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of thing. I was the same way with, with Smoothie King. Uh, before oh, bigger so meets, good. if I could. The angel hair, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I used to get. <laughs> good. That's a good choice too. And you mentioned yeah. also on the bus mindfulness and stuff on your way to games. Was that something that was introduced to you by the team, or something you kind of did on your own, or how did that so, come about? So in high school, um, before lacrosse games, I had this coach who he would make us lay down in the grass after a practice for high school girls. We have a thousand things on our mind. Um, and he would make us, he would make us envision uh, the game. And I always, then I feel I was maybe a little too immature to appreciate it, but I'd always be like, ah, like a nice nap time. Or I'd be like, oh, like that was really nice and helpful, but I didn't really focus on the impact it had in my games. Um, mm-hmm. And then in college, 
we did a lot of, um, we did a team yoga once a week. So just the concept of mindfulness was talked about and harped on, not necessarily practiced there, but um, just being present in the moment and how the power of your mind um, can transform your game. And my college coach understands that everyone is different. Um, everyone has different styles. Everyone has different pregame rituals. But she always made sure to give us all the tools that we needed um, in case it did work for us. So there was one preseason game that we were in the locker room, and she did do that. She did was like, everyone, like put your legs up, close your eyes. We're going to practice mindfulness. We played some music, and she kind of just talked through situations and certain players and Federico making a save and things like that but then she also talked through some bad situations and what would happen and who would get the ball back and things like that um and we practiced breathing and things like that and I remember going into that preseason game feeling like that really helped me and I was like wow I know how to do this I've done this before in high school we talk about this in yoga I think I should start doing something like this Mm -hmm. um especially me being the type of person who likes to plan and feel prepared and thinks that that helps me decrease some stress. So I started doing that and I felt it really did help my game a lot. And even I do that in life in PA school, we have practicals and I kind of go in and envision what I'm going to see when I have to talk about this. And if I mess up, it's going to be okay because I can make it up by doing this. And I feel like that's just really helps in life in general. Yeah, I think it definitely goes beyond sport, uh, which is awesome. And it's kind of cool to see, I think now mindfulness in general is becoming a little bit more in, a little bit more trendy than maybe when we were in high school. It was the same thing when my coach introduced like visualization to me. It was like, same thought, awesome, 10 minute nap time at the end of practice. (laughs) Great. And then I, same transition. It was like, oh, wait, no, this is actually pretty helpful. Um, Maybe I should do this more. Uh, (laughs) If you could rank... I guess the top three traits that you've discovered about yourself from all your years of playing that kind of allowed you to be both a successful athlete and a student, what would you say those three would be? First, I would say passionate. Um, I feel like I try to exude a lot of energy and I really deep down in my heart care about the sport of lacrosse. I care about my academics. I care about becoming a physician assistant. Um, And because I feel so passionate about it, um, it makes doing the hard, gritty, dirty work, waking up early, spending extra hours in the library, not so mundane because it's for a purpose. It's for something that I really care about. And I feel like if it wasn't something I was passionate about, I would not be willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I hate swimming. I can't swim. I'm not passionate about it. So if you ask me, to go swim a lap in a pool, I would, or wake up early for it. It's not something I would do. Um, so I feel like being passionate about something is what helps you be the best at it um, and help others be better too. Um, next, I would probably say diligent. I feel like um, never overlooking the small things, um, not jumping straight forward to the trick shot or the big play of the game, but focusing on the wall ball, the techniques, the putting in the time to focus on your agility and endurance. Um, And even in school, not overlooking the small things, making sure my technique when I'm listening to heart and lung sounds is great because that's such a small thing that we do every day and it's easy to get overlooked. And I feel like diligence rubs off on others. If you notice someone else, you know, doing the small things right, the big things kind of fall into place. 
Um, and then lastly, which I feel like every athlete and student has, but just determination. Um, I've talked about it, but always setting goals. I set daily goals for myself. I set monthly goals. I set goals for practice. I set goals for games. Um, I feel like setting goals gives you something to strive for and helps you stay determined to achieve them. So I feel I have a very determined mindset as well. That's awesome. I feel like with goal setting too, I harp on it with a lot of my clients and people I coach, but it's just... You mentioned like the daily goals, even breaking it as far down as that. It's mm-hmm. like it kind of makes the process less mundane and, and less, mm-hmm. you know, just monotonous. You're just going and doing the same thing over and over and over. Kind of shakes things up and gives you something to strive for each day. Before you know yeah. it, you kind of build on that foundation and can yeah. have a better overall uh, understanding of whatever you're doing. Um, yeah, certainly. What's recall if you could recall the toughest game that you've ever played in, and how did you I guess handle that adversity on the playing field? Um, I feel like the toughest game any athlete has to play um, is their last game, and that moment when you kind of realize it might be your last game. So my last game was my senior year in the NCAA tournament against <clears throat> Maryland. Um, it was my last game of my career, um, and. We were getting down on ourselves. We were getting beat by a little bit. It was easier and easier to get more frustrated, and obviously there was a lot at stake. But um, being in the captain role my senior year, I knew very well from other games I could not show my frustration and show my emotions, which is so hard for me because I am a passionate player. And part of being so passionate about something means that you get emotional about it. Um, But I know that as a captain, I couldn't get frustrated or show my emotions. because that would rub off on others, and I try to have this positive mindset. And I remember struggling with myself during a timeout not to show my emotion and to keep this positive attitude, but I feel like in those scenarios, I handled adversity, and that is the beauty of a team sport. I handled adversity by looking around me. I saw my family in the stands. I saw my teammates on the sideline jumping up and down, screaming out of excitement and cheer, even though we're down five goals. Um, I saw my coaches so fully invested in the game, uh, making all the adjustments they could. Regardless, they were never going to give up. Um, And I realized in that moment I was really in the right place. And kind of no matter what happened in that game, that I had made the best choice in my life up until that point to play at Hopkins and with that team. And I wouldn't have wanted to win or lose with any other people. Um, So I feel like handling adversity does not always have to be on you. It can be leaning on others. And for me, I handled it by trying to do everything to control myself and control the situation, but also looking around to the people around you to kind of get through it. Um, And then one of the other things that my coach, Phil Stamick, always dwelled on that has stuck with me to this day, and I didn't really, he brought it up my senior year, and I wish I knew it my whole career, was just kind of if things go wrong, whether it's your fault or not, just that's on me. Just say it's on me. If I throw a pass and someone drops it, even it could have been the best pass of my entire life. I'm going to tell that person that that's on me mm-hmm. because they're not going to freak out as much. The situation's under control. They know they're okay. Um, so during adversity, when everyone's freaking out, just letting someone know that it's okay and that you're there and it's not all their fault um, is kind of big too. So I've taken that with me to this very day in my life. Um, if I mess up orders or something goes wrong with the patient, just like, that's on me. I'll do better next time. Sorry. Um, type of thing. 
takes a lot of practice, <laughs> I feel like, to do yeah, that. But, yeah, it certainly does. Certainly does. Uh, that's an awesome trait to have because the sooner you can take responsibility for stuff, whether it's your fault or not, um, shows a lot about you as a person uh, and beyond mm -hmm. as a player. Um, now, was there a certain approach that you had uh, to maybe practice that has allowed you to become successful? I think you mentioned focusing kind of on the basics, the fundamentals of the game. Yeah. Is that pretty yeah. much your highlight? Um, <laughs> no, I feel like the, focusing on the basics and harping on that, you know, as a team sport and as a coach now, not getting frustrated with someone if they're not able to do the behind-the-back Twizzler crazy shot in the world, but, you know, getting on someone, if you're dropping a pass and a catch that you have been doing this since you've been five years old, you should be able to catch the ball. Like, focus on the little things. Don't get so ahead of yourself. Um, but as far as practices, again, um, taking a second, I know it's hard in college when you're rushing from class um, and you have a thousand things on your mind, but setting intentions and goals for practice, um, that was something we got into the habit doing as a team before kind of getting into it, offense, what's your goal? Defense, what do you want to work on? Middies, what do you want to work on? Um, and then we kind of talked about it in college as just like a pulse check, you know, checking the pulse of the team quickly before starting practice. And that was important as a captain as well. Like, is everyone in a good mood? Are people frustrated? Do people have stuff going off on off the field that we need to kind of get out of the way right now before we start? Um, and then adjusting the energy levels as needed, you know, bringing the positive energy to the people who needed it more, um, things like that. So I would say focusing on the little things, bringing the energy, and setting some intentions, good way to approach practice. Mm -hmm. I think all of those are huge. And it's super easy, I feel like, in college especially, you can just get caught up in, oh my God, it's final exam time, <laughs> or, you know, yeah. uh, whatever else you deal with in college, um, whether it's relationships, social life, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's super easy to have that be, like, overwhelming. I always looked yeah. at the practice time, though, as a great way to step away from all that and kind of leave that at the door. I'll come back to it after practice, yeah. but for my two hours, that's my escape from everything sort of, sort of thing. Yeah. You t mentioned all your siblings as well also played Division One lacrosse, right? Yes. Um, so obviously a big debate is always nature versus nurture and all that. When it comes to athletes, I guess in particular, with the success of you and the rest of your family, have you noticed one might be more important than the other? So I love to talk about nature versus nurture. I feel like I've always had a special place in my heart for psychology and mm -hmm. the power of the mind and stuff. Um, and obviously with a lot of other things, I think it's both, but I think you have to look at which one you're going to kind of dwell on more. So, for example, nature with my family. Like, we're all very just raw athletes. We all run. We're active. We were – our parents are fit. We were built fitter. We've been running around since we were little kids. The nature part of being an athlete is there for us, and I have my parents' genes, I guess, to thank for that. Um, but I feel like – you have to kind of look at what you're going to nurture. So growing up, like I had that innate athleticism. So I ran, I did a bunch of other sports. I didn't focus on lacrosse. But then when I got to college, it was time for me to be nurtured. Like they looked at me and they said, you're a raw athlete, but you need a lot of help. <laughs> and um, focusing on the uncomfortable things that I do not have. I do not have 
innately good hand-eye. You could be across the room for me and throw something at me and I'll probably drop it. Um, so I had to focus on the stick skills and things that I would get so frustrated because they came so easily to other people and I couldn't figure out how to cradle. I remember when I first started for the longest time. Um, so I feel like as an athlete, there's certain things that do come natural, but that you also have to nurture. Um, but at the end of the day, it is interesting because I look at my career, and I'm sure if you looked at any scouting report of me, they would say athletic, right-handed, doesn't want to go left. Like as much as I nurtured my stick skills, nurtured my left hand, nurtured the things that did not come natural to me that did to other people, my coaches always allowed me to play to my strengths. So give yourself enough time and space and just run by someone. Um, so it is interesting looking back at it, and I really do like that question because there are things – that I nurtured for so long. I worked on my left hand and these stick skills for my whole life. And when I'm in practice and I'm focused on them, I can do them. But then when it would be a game and a stressful situation and that whole fight or flight mentality, I would just go back to the basics and my nature, which is just run fast, hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, I feel like your your nature really gets highlighted in those bigger moments, especially. Yeah. But I feel like also a lot of being an athlete isn't necessarily nature nurture. A lot of being an athlete, and I'm sure you know, is mental toughness. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that is for sure nurture. You are nurturing that by setting goals and doing mindfulness and these things that you have to make routines and make practice and work on and strive for. And those aren't things that come really naturally. I mean, the heart and the passion, I feel like, are come naturally but the nurturing of the mental toughness is probably the biggest part of being an athlete and that should be something exciting and I tell my players to look at you know if you're not the most fast player like yes we can work on your agility time in and time out my brother does strength conditioning and helps these kids with their agility they'll get better footwork but they're still not going to be the fastest ones on the field Mm -hmm. um but taking the time, especially in this new generation, like you talked about being so trendy, taking the time for them to work on their mental toughness um, is something that you can really work on as an athlete, and it can really take precedence over some of the other things that you're lacking in. Yeah, I think it's becoming more and more evident that mental toughness training is just, not I mean, not just as important, but it does play a very important role as, you know, does the physical toughness and and all that you have to train kind of your mind for the same stuff just like you would the rest of your body um yeah which i don't think was always evident when probably we were growing up in sport no i wish it was (laughs) that was something i had to learn (laughs) yeah i mean at least you have learned it now and can translate it to to other parts of your life and you mentioned you're in pa school now you know, how have you been able to handle that time commitment of both, you know, a very intense graduate program, school program, and mm-hmm. still playing professionally? Yeah, um, it was always something that was kind of a toss-up when I started PA school. I remember doing interviews, and in my interview for Arcadia, which is where I'm in PA school now, mm-hmm. they had even asked me, they said, you know, why do you want to do PA? It seems like you have all these lacrosse accolades and you're still playing. Is this going to be an issue? Why not go coach college lacrosse? Um, And it came down to, again, what am I passionate about? And I knew that lacrosse will always be a part of my life. I was coaching. I'm a ref. um, And I knew I wanted to be a part of this new league. But if worse came to worse, my career, 
being a PA was an underlying passion of mine that I needed to put more time towards. So I always kind of had the mindset of prioritizing, and I always knew if it came down to it, PA school over the league. Um, but I had great coaches in the league, and like I said, they foster and they appreciate that there's well-rounded females in the league. There's people who are in the business world and do other things. So they were always very understanding of my schedule with school. Um, but I also feel like my time in college um, and overloading my schedule and having to balance school with classes with other clubs and organizations helped me to time manage, you know, just like I would in college, knowing I have a game on a Saturday, I'm going to have to have this studying done probably by Thursday, uh, things like that. But otherwise, I feel like it wasn't, I mean, there were some games that I had to show up to the locker room an hour late in my scrubs and hope that everyone would understand. But I feel like everyone, I feel like everyone always was understanding. Like I said, they really do harp on being well-rounded and never made me feel bad for missing a walkthrough or um, coming late to the locker room or anything like that. No, that's awesome. And I know you talked about kind of plans uh, a little while ago. I feel like it definitely is a nice plan, you know, plan B, plan A, however you view each yeah. one. It's good that you have, you're setting yourself up for success in two kind of different avenues and one's not mm -hmm. dependent on the other. Yeah. Um, where I look at a lot of athletes, you know, they finish up their playing time and they go through a period of, you know, looking for an identity. Um, yeah. And they can't find out what they're good at um, outside of whatever craft there was theirs, you know. So it's yeah. good that, that you have something um, that you are equally as passionate about. Yeah. I think that is such a hard transition. And I experienced other friends of mine and it is a huge thing for athletes it's horrifying you go your whole life devoted to one thing and then it's gone and you don't know who you are outside of that sport mm -hmm. um and that was something that in college I wish I had known a little earlier but I did catch on to kind of my junior year was it look like lacrosse isn't always going to be forever mm -hmm. what do you want to do what do you like? And I got into shadowing and following doctors and getting hours in and kind of exploring other avenues. Um, but it is hard. It's, it's truly a hard transition for a lot of athletes. And I think it's okay to take time after you've just devoted, like, I feel like every athlete's mentality is you got to go, go, go. And I see so many people after college freaking out. It's okay to take time for yourself to figure out, you know, what you want to do next or what the next plan is. Um, but that, I like that you brought that up because I feel like that's something as athletes that you're not really prepared for. Mm -hmm. um, and no one really gives you good advice to help you when that moment comes. And it's a really scary moment. I think you touched on it with being okay with taking the time. That's the one thing I tell, I guess now my former teammates, the, the kids younger than me at school. It's like, look, I've already changed jobs uh, once since, yeah. <laughs> since graduating. Like, don't feel this immense pressure that, you know, spring of your senior year, you need to make that decision that defines you for the next part of your, you know, chapter of your life. Like, it's okay. Take a random yeah. job. Take, you know, take a risk. Do something. Try it out. At the end of the day, you're 22, and you'll be okay. Like, yeah. restarting at 23 isn't the end of the world. <laughs> Yeah, you're still in your 20s. You have a lot of time. And it is so funny because I went even right into PA school, and I knew it was what I wanted to do, but it mm -hmm. is like 
what if I took a year off and I coached somewhere or I got a master's in something else? Like, who knows? Like, it's okay to take a time and a second to breathe and kind of think about it. But especially with lacrosse being a spring sport, I see a lot of people, you know, you're like trying to avoid what's next, but you're going through your senior season and trying to soak it all up. Um, And I think it's also okay to not let go of your sport and like use it as an avenue to find something else. It's okay if you get done, you can go coach a club team or coach at your high school or coach where you were, stay happy, stay connected to the sport in some way. And then once you kind of have that and you have a sense of normalcy, still having your sport in the picture, then kind of tackle life and figure it out. If it is that big a part of your life that you can't mm-hmm. let go. I think that's pretty much perfectly said. <laughs> <laughs> um, last question I have for you, what would be, I guess the single piece of advice that you have for that next generation of young players um, as they go up in their sport, maybe in lacrosse in particular. Yeah. Um, this is a tough one. I feel like I hit on a lot of it. Um, obviously, you're never really going to go far in anything unless you're passionate about it. So kind of figuring out enjoying the ride but figuring out is this something you really love and care about and don't mind getting up early for or is this something that mom and dad are forcing on you or you feel like you have to do because you've been doing it for so long or because it's where you grew up and everyone does this sport um if you're not passionate about it it's going to come back when you're putting in six hours a day to the sport in college or something like that um it's going to come back and kind of but yeah, if it's not something that you were super passionate about. But I feel like the other biggest advice that I would give is just surround yourself with what you want to be, um, especially to young kids and this generation. Surround yourself with people who are going to boost your confidence, who are very motivated as well, people that you can trust when you do face adversity. Um, I wasn't always friends with athletes growing up, but I was friends with very motivated people who were motivated in school. They were good students. They were good people. Um, and just always putting yourself in that situation around something that's going to make you better. I know that's hard to do as a kid, and that's a part of growing up. Um, But even on club teams, putting yourself on a team with coaches and players who are going to boost your confidence, and they're not always putting you down and giving you negative feedback, but you also get positive feedback as well because – when you're growing up, your mind is more fragile and you need, and you don't know what's right or wrong and you kind of need good surroundings to help you figure that out. So surround yourself with whoever you trust and is going to make you better and enjoy the ride. Yeah, definitely great pieces of advice, um, both coaches and, I guess, teammates as well. Kind of, I look back at my career and they've had such a profound impact on my life beyond the sport as well. Um, yeah. That's that's pretty important. Well, Haley, thank you uh, for joining me. I appreciate your time. I know life's hectic and busy. Um, where can these people keep up with you, kind of follow your lacrosse career, uh, PA school, all that? Uh, anyone can follow me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram name is at O-H underscore Hale, H-A-L-E underscore, yeah, Y-E-A-H. Um, I post frequently on there just about lacrosse um i put up some posts about lacrosse kind of what's going on with life and you can always send me a message dm me feel free to reach out uh with any questions you may have i love talking to people about lacrosse and pa school as you can tell i can talk for hours and talk someone's ear off about it so always here for any questions or talk through some things 
I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Haley. She's an absolute rock star and has a lot of great advice for the next generation of players. If you haven't done so already, send this episode to a friend, family member, or teammate who could use a boost. Stay up to date with all our latest episodes by following me on Instagram at The Athletic Mindset Podcast. Remember, if you change your mindset and how you think, you'll be able to change your life one thought at a time. I'll see you all next week.